Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you recall, last week we gathered down at the Jordan River with all the crowds to listen to John the Baptist preach and to receive his baptism of repentance. Jesus then showed up on the scene, surprising John by joining us in the water, taking on our broken humanity, and transforming John's baptism from a human act of repentance into a divine sacrament of grace. And it is only after Jesus has fully identified with the human condition in baptism that the Father tears open the curtains of heaven to proclaim, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus' identification with us is so complete that you just have to hear the Father saying those words about you as well. Well, after having his identity as the Son of God confirmed in baptism, Jesus is then led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of that period when he is famished and weak from lack of nourishment, the devil comes slithering along to play a few hunger games with Jesus. But Satan skips right over the opening ceremonies and launches his first volley at Jesus, saying, If you are the Son of God, then command these stones to become loaves of bread. Notice, as he often does, Satan attacks Jesus where he is most vulnerable, his raging hunger. And, as he often does, Satan also attacks Jesus at his point of greatest strength. He had the unique ability to do something about it. Come on, Jesus. Just make a little bread. You can do it. You are the Son of God, after all, and you should do it. I mean, what good will you be to God and all these people you came to save if you die of starvation? Just say the words and you can satisfy your hunger and make yourself full. Then you'll be fully prepared to fulfill your calling as the Messiah. I mean, everybody knows the Messiah is supposed to feed them like Moses did. So all you have to do is prove yourself capable and worthy of the title. Just think how many people will follow you then. After all, human beings are always hungry. It's true, isn't it? 
we are always hungry. It's about the one thing in life we can count on. No matter how much food we eat at any given meal, it's only a matter of hours before our hunger comes creeping back to let us know that it's time to eat once again. And every morning of our lives, we wake up with an aching reminder in our bellies that hunger is our daily companion. Of course, our hunger isn't simply reduced to our bellies, is it? In fact, I'm sure most of us here hunger for many other things in life far more desperately than we do for food. Some of us are hungering for a sense of purpose in life, something beyond just waking up every morning and punching in the time card at work in order to bring home a paycheck. Others of us hunger for friendship and companionship, someone who truly knows us and accepts us and who's there for us. Some of us hunger for success so we can feel like we've made it in life, or money so we can feel secure, or titles so we can feel important. And certainly there are those of us who know all too well the relentless and ferocious hunger of addiction. And yet no matter how much we try to satisfy these appetites, it is only a matter of time before our hunger comes raging back to seize hold of our attention once again. Anyone who has ever had children knows just how insatiable our hunger can be. And those little mouths are always so ravenous, especially at bedtime, and yet somehow never at dinner. But again, it's, it's so much more than just about food, right? I mean, when our kids were younger, it never ceased to amaze me how quickly they would lose all interest in some new toy or, or game that they just had to have, and they immediately begin to crave something else which they are absolutely certain is going to satisfy them this time. And their hunger alone was justification enough for acquiring it. But I want it has always been a legitimate and compelling argument in their minds. In fact, it, it still is. Of course, if we're being honest, as adults, we're really not so different, are we? We've just traded in Legos and American Girl dolls for BMWs and exotic vacations, the latest tech gadgets and fashion accessories, Rolexes and fancy bottles of wine. And yet, none of those things is able to satisfy the hunger within us for very long. And the reason, of course, is that they were never meant to. Do you remember back in the book of Genesis when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? God told them that they were free to eat from anything they wanted in the entire garden except for one thing, the fruit from the tree of knowledge. And do you remember where God put that tree? 
off in some distant corner of the garden where they would never notice it? Nope. Right in the middle of the garden. So every day of their lives, Adam and Eve had to walk past this reminder that they were not supposed to have everything. That the hunger within them would never be fully satisfied. That there was a limit to being human. And this was God's idea of a good creation. Now, one of the reasons that so many of us struggle with our work or in our marriages is that we were convinced that this was the job or the person that was going to fill us up inside. That were going to satisfy our hunger and make us complete. But when we wake up one morning and that hunger is still there, we, we assume that we've made a mistake. And we often go looking for an exit plan or a replacement. But those things were never supposed to make us full. And despite all the mythologies that our culture loves to tell us, human beings were never meant to have everything. There will always be something missing in our lives. And that can either direct our attention in humility towards our Creator, who alone is complete, or it can drive us crazy by focusing on what we do not have. And as Adam and Eve made clear, no matter how much we do have, we always tend to obsess over the one thing we do not. And the devil loves to exploit this habit of ours. This is why the words the tempter spoke to Adam and Eve and to Jesus are so insidious. They tempt us to take our eyes off of God and all that God has provided for us and focus instead on our hunger and all the ways that we can satisfy it. They tempt us to believe that we're actually independent, autonomous beings, thank you very much, who are quite capable of making the best choices for ourselves in life without any of God's input. But most of all, they tempt us to view the world and all that is in it as an end in itself, as just a way of satisfying our ravenous hunger and making ourselves full. But that is a dangerous game to play because it reduces us to something less than fully human. You see, part of what it means to be a human being is to live for more than just our appetites. Life does not consist of just satisfying our hunger. We are not just animals who live compulsively for our next meal or our next paycheck or our next vacation, or our next relationship, or our next hookup, or our next high. We were created in the image of God. And we were made to be in relationship with God, to live in trusting dependence on our Heavenly Father. That's what it means to be human. And so when Jesus was 
tempted by Satan to take his focus off of his father and to rely on his own power to satisfy his hunger. Jesus, who had just fully identified with the human condition in baptism, says to Satan, it is written, a human being does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now Jesus is actually quoting from the book of Deuteronomy here, where Moses is instructing the Israelites before they enter into the promised land. And Moses says, Remember how the Lord your God has led you these 40 years through the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to see what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna in order to make you understand that a human being does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now manna, if you recall, was what the Israelites ate each day during their 40 years in the wilderness. But the catch was, it only lasted for one day. So the people's daily hunger always confronted them with a choice. They could try in vain to gather up as much manna as they could to try to ensure that they could be full for days to come. Or they could trust that their Heavenly Father would provide for their needs day by day. They got to choose. But both their daily hunger and the daily manna were given to them by God in order to teach them that God's grace was sufficient for their lives. And when Jesus was there in the wilderness with Satan, he too was tempted to take matters into his own hands to, to try to satisfy his hunger and fulfill his calling in his own way. Instead, Jesus remembered the words spoken from the mouth of God at his baptism, reminding him that he was the beloved son with whom God was so pleased. And those words gave Jesus the strength and the determination to remain faithful and obedient and dependent on his Father, who is the true source of all life. Your hunger presents you with the same choice. Like Adam and Eve, you can allow it to dehumanize you by focusing on what is missing in your life and doing whatever it takes to fill it. If you choose that path, then your constant companion in life will be complaint because you will never be able to satisfy that hunger and it will drive you nuts. Or, like Jesus, 
you can allow your hunger to fulfill its holy purpose in your life by directing your attention to the one who created that hunger within you in the first place, your heavenly Father, who has claimed you as his beloved in the waters of baptism and whose word alone is the true source of life for a human being. If you choose this path, then your constant companion in life will be gratitude because you will understand that everything that you have in life is but a gift of God's grace. This is why when we sit down at the dinner table and to give thanks to God for the food we're about to eat, we call it grace. That food can never ultimately satisfy us. I mean, we're all going to be hungry again in the morning, right? Heck, we might even be hungry later that night. Well, that food is, is merely a, a gift of grace to remind us that, that we are the beloved of our Heavenly Father who cares for and provides for His children day by day. And our daily hunger was meant to be a sacrament of grace directing our attention to the one who alone can feed our souls, the one who became incarnate in Jesus Christ, the Word of God made flesh. For the truth is, behind all of our hunger and all of our desire is hunger and a desire for God. And it is in Jesus Christ, the bread of life, that the world's hunger is finally met. And he is inviting you to come, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen.